Alex Cunningham, welcome to the show. Yo, thank you for having me. Yeah, you got it, brother. Um, so we are here in lovely Austin, Texas. And I thought we'd start by recapping how you and I first met. Wow, greatest airplane ride I've ever had. Facts, facts. I'm not sure uh I'm not sure many people have experienced an airplane airplane ride like this. But uh I was flying back from Baltimore. I was there for one of our best friend's weddings. And where where were you coming back from? Rhode Island. What are you doing in Rhode Island? I think it was just random family stuff, like super boring. Definitely. And so I remember getting on the plane and sitting down, got the got the aisle seat, need the aisle seat. I'd been out at a wedding the night before, needed that bathroom access and I remember you walking on the plane and you had on some patent leather Jordans and like <laughs> a Villanova windbreaker. And I'm like, yo, this guy definitely hoops. I never sit in front of the plane. And I was like, for some, th- some reason, I was like, ah, this middle seat is calling me. And, and for me, I, the only reason why I was in that seat was because I was running late. I was up late the night before. And I never do this, but I upgraded my Southwest ticket. Let me upgrade you. Exactly. And so, yeah, I was I was like, I usually don't talk to people on planes, but I'm like, this, uh, something, I just had this strong pull from the universe to ask you if you hooped. And, Are you a hooper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so like 20 minutes into it, I'm like waiting for you to take off your headphones so I can ask if you're a hooper. Because I'm like, I just, I just felt this compulsion to do so. And uh, once I did, I believe your answer was no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll get like two points and four boards. That's about it. But I, I was convinced, like, because you had this Nova shirt on, the patent leather Jordans, and you look athletic. I was like, this guy either, he was just like at a Villanova, like, Big East tournament or something. Or he, like, used to play for the team or something. But... Our, our conversation quickly shifted from hoops to like everything else that is important to us. And we just start we just started going uh, like checking off each box of like nutrition. Yeah. I was like, wait, y- you did paleo for five years and then keto for two years. And-, <laughs> and, and, and now you're, you're experimenting with adding back in carbs through sweet potatoes and <laughs> legumes from time to time. <laughs> And you're like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and then, then it was like went on to like consciousness and meditation. And I'm giving my story, and you're like, that's my story too. It's, it's kind of like that, uh, you know, the the Twitter Spider Man meme where it's like Spider Man looking at Spider Man. Mm. It's kind of like that. You run it. You run yeah. into. You're like, wait, what? Is um, it's funny. I, I think I mentioned it on the flight, but from time to time, when you're when you're on this this path of kind of like personal optimization, um, wellness, and like all things trying to kind of like actualize your full being, from time to time you run into other people on the path, and when you do sometimes it's like an instantaneous recognition and i like i felt like we had that you know what i mean absolutely and like it makes me think of my dad he, sometimes he'll be like 
yo, Alexander, you got to learn how to talk about more things than just like health and stuff like that. And I totally disagree <laughs> because you, probably like my inability to, to chit chat, you know, about this and that, it ends up, I end up like meeting people like yourself, you know what I mean? And then, so I have this like great circle of, of people and it was, it was crazy. It was like, do we just become best friends? Wait, do you like guacamole? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So as, uh, you know, as we can continue to talk and it just like every, everything was hitting, right. It was like, I brought up a podcast, a book, anything. And you're like, Oh yeah, I know. Like, Oh, actually we just did a podcast with him and odd. Uh, yeah. I just read that. And so like, lo and behold, three hours later, it's like, we, we had to get off the flight, but we still probably had another 20 hours of conversation to have. So, you know, we, we talked about, uh, how we, we'd link back up to, to record a pod. So that's, that's how we got here. But, um, one thing I mentioned to you is, uh, you know, this podcast is about helping people out and giving them things that are actionable. So like a lot of my podcasts to date have just been like 15, 20 minutes on one specific thing that I think is helpful. And on that flight, one thing that we both talked about a lot was morning routines and yours sounded very interesting and evolved. So I wanted to get into, wanted to give you a chance to kind of share that with the people. Cause I think it could be really helpful uh, for people. But uh, I guess before we do that though, to give you a, um, we'd love to give you a chance to give yourself a proper introduction, uh, kind of what, what you do here in Austin, um, and, and all that, my man. Rock on. Um, let's see. Born and raised in San Francisco. Um, you know, sports growing up type of thing. Went to Villanova, did chemical engineering. Uh, after school, I had no interest in growing up and I was deep into drugs and alcohol. And that pretty much took me down to as far as it could possibly go. I ended up being homeless at like 23 and uh that's when i eventually got sober and so that really like turned the tide of my life from like doing things that are like totally self-destructive to finding out that like i can improve the way that i feel by doing certain things and the first thing was nutrition and then it got really exciting because you know you would learn something and be like man this was this is a total health myth you know what I mean? Like no one, <laughs> like, like when I stopped eating grains like 10 times a day, you know, I thought that was like the path to being healthy. And then, you know, I stopped doing that and I feel a whole lot better. And that's what like initially lit my passion because, you know, I just wanted to feel great. I just wanted to keep feeling better and better. So, you know, habits build on themselves and, you know, it carries over to exercise and stuff like that. But nutrition was uh, the first thing that I loved and I just went crazy on it for like four years. Um, and then, uh, you know, moved back to San Francisco, started doing chemical engineering, hated it, started doing tech sales, eventually realized that was not what I wanted to do. And then I was looking at like my bank account and it turns out all the, my, um, all the money I was spending in my free time all had to do with health. And I read the Al alchemist right around that time, which is a book we connected over and they talk about your personal journey. And I just knew at that time that like I needed to be in health and wellness, but I had no clue how I was going to do that. So, um, there was one guy, his name is Dr. Anthony Gustin and he wrote a blog called the paleo fix. And I was reading that all the time and we were becoming friends, just working out and stuff like that. And he had just started a supplement company, but it was really just like a little side project that, you know, he was providing to his clients. Um, 
he's treating people through movement, through nutrition. Um, but it was taking off really well. Like it was, they're outstanding products and he didn't really need my help, but I was just doing everything I could to try to wiggle my way in there. So I was like buying, you know, his products wholesale and then, you know, going into gyms and trying to sell them and stuff like that. And, uh, had a, a lot of doubt, um, through that time, it was probably like six months, but eventually it got to the point where it was like, they felt like they wanted to hire me. And so I became the first employee there and now work for these two brands. One's called perfect keto and one is called equip and predominantly just super clean supplements. Um, perfect keto is all about like MCT powder, exogenous ketones, um, low carb bars, trail mix, nut butters, that type of thing. And, um, shoot. So now it's been three years at the end of the first year we moved to Austin um, just because we all loved Austin and it made a lot of sense to, to grow a business there. Um, and I guess all that's been happening along this is that I've just been like very much into, in the health scene. And so through osmosis, you know, you learn about, you know, all these cool things that are, that are helpful. And so, um, partially from being in recovery and partially from being in the health scene, like it became very apparent that like meditation is super important. Um, and also just, like stress management and the morning routine, of course. So we can get into that, but that's how it, it kind of evolved for me. That was like, I used to just get up, eat breakfast as quickly as I could and like go into unconsciousness. And, uh, yeah. So this morning routine thing has been something I started like three, four years ago. It's evolved, but it is literally the most important 30 minutes of my day. It makes the other 23 and a half hours totally upgraded, um, including my sleep. Excellent, man. Great, great recap. I didn't, I didn't know a lot of that. Um, thank, <laughs> thank you for sharing. I'm gonna have to maybe ask you off wax about some of the, some of those more past times. But uh, yeah, that that's super interesting for your your morning routine. Let's dive into it. Let's get let's get the X's and O's of what it looks like for sure. And it is X's and O's now. Like so, um, well, I'll I'll just start with the routine. So I wake up, um, go downstairs, decaf coffee. Um, and while the decaf coffee is brewing, I do this movement routine. It's like eight to 10 minutes. It's called foundations It's by Dr. Eric Goodman. And this is the routine that saved my low back from a disc injury, doing it every single day for literally like 18 months. And I'm not going to stop doing it. So that's how the coffee gets started and do a little movement and then go into my room and do like a half page of journaling. And really it's just looking at the 24 hours ahead seeing what's on the menu for the day. You know what I mean? Um, and then I do a little bit of prayer. I ask for, you know, my thoughts to be directed, um, divorce my thoughts from selfishness, self-seeking, self-pity, um, dishonesty, and um, to relax and take it easy and not struggle. And, you know, ask for, for guidance on what my next steps are to be. And then... Um, after that, I put the put the um, journal down and fire up the waking up app. Just do like ten minutes there. Put on the the eye mask, and uh, and that's about it. I feel pretty pretty chill at that moment, and I feel like I'm ready for the day. And let's see the way I kind of tie this all in together though is I have a a life tracking document, and it has a weekly scoreboard. So this might sound insane, but uh, I give myself points for things that are valuable to me. And so each week there's about 50 points that I could score and, you know, one for meditating each day, one for doing my movement routine each day, 
four for working out four times that week, um, 10 for completing um, important things at work. Um, so I try to pick two a day and say like, these are the two things I want to get done. And I'll get two points for doing that. Um, talking to important people in my life, my dad, my brother, my auntie, um, my sponsor, um, reading 50 pages gets me one point reading a hundred pages gets me two points. So it sounds like, uh, exhausting to keep track of all that, but literally it takes me 20 seconds when I log into my computer to start my workday to just check the things that have, that I've done. And then at the end of the week, it's really nice because if I get over 80%, I consider that a really strong week. So I'll give myself a little reward, which is usually like a ribeye steak or a massage or like an item that I've been wanting to buy or something like that. Um, and it's really nice too, because I used to always try to just like be having like the greatest day ever or like do everything every single day. And it's just not sustainable and not really possible. So now it kind of takes the pressure off where it's like, okay, I can just do a pretty good job, you know, get that 80%. And I know my relationships, my mental state and my work, it's all going to be, you know, pretty good shape. Um, and yeah, I'm just a, I'm definitely a creature of habit and it gets me to do those things because I know I'm going to score a point. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, you may think it, the word that comes to mind for some people may be exhausting, but I like the whole time I was just thinking savage. That is savage, man. Especially the, the tracking system. Cause I, I have a lot of the, the same practices, but I don't have the, the track tracking system and the, the point system, which I love, um, one part, the gamification of the morning routine is that's is brilliant. I mean, I've heard of you know, obviously, uh, you know, you're not the first person to invent this, but you are you're the first person I know is actually uh, met in real life doing the kind of point system for the morning routine and for habits. Um, and you already you ticked off a few that I'm like, damn, that would be really helpful. I love the one um, talking to important people in your life, like that's. That's not something that I really have tracked that I would I would love to integrate. Um, and you, you know, how would you say um, if you could put the the benefits that come from having this this practice in place, this overall morning routine? Like, what what would the overall benefits be? Boy, I think it's really just assuring to myself that I'm doing a pretty good job most of the time. Um, if I don't have it or before I had it, it always felt like I'm not doing enough in my relationships. I'm not doing enough at work. I'm not doing enough spiritually. You know what I mean? Now that I have this, I feel like most of the time I am doing enough. Um, I probably only get that 80%, 20 out of the 52 weeks of the year. But then when I don't get it, it's so clear to see. It's like, oh yeah, you stop meditating. Just start meditating again. And it's like super simple. It's not like I'm like running around with a, like a chicken with his head cut off. And it's like, oh yeah, you stopped reading. That's why you missed those two points. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you're super scattered at work. You've been traveling a lot. You know what I mean? And so it just, it's makes it a whole lot easier to coach myself. Definitely. I love that. And it's, it's also, you know, that part of kind of like setting, setting, uh, goals and a bar where <clears throat> setting yourself up for, for a win. Right. Like if, if it requires you checking every single box every single day, you're inherently playing a losing game because that's going to be hard to keep up. But when you, you have this kind of barometer of, am I doing enough? Am I getting to that 80% level? Um, and that's enough. Then you can feel good about that. Right. 
So. Absolutely. And then to go on like about the benefits of actually doing the habits, sometimes it gets to be like a checklist and that's where I'm experiencing no real benefits. And that's kind of like a tough area to, to get out of. But I think just creating the space to make it not a to-do list and to really enjoy, um, you know, these habits. Um, but obviously meditation, if nothing else, I recognize that I'm just, I think so much constantly, you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. I make it, it makes me be able to laugh at myself if nothing else. And it'd be, it, it, it like loosens my grip of like my thoughts on my being, you know what I mean? So when I go through, especially combining, you know, thinking about the 24 hours ahead and then meditating, then I go through those 24 hours and it's like, oh yeah, this is this part of this day where I'm having like a difficult moment at work and I'm feeling like defensive or something like that. And then it's like, oh yeah, I could decide to not speak right now. <laughs> so little things like that. Um, and then, you know, it just helps me get out of my own way. Like at the, at the end of the day, um, obviously exercise, um, just like has a cascade of health benefits and you end up, you know, being in a community that you want to be in meeting cool people. Um, so yeah, it's just like a little sandbox for me that, that helps me stay disciplined. Hell yeah. Love it. Um, yes, it's funny. Kind of sounds like a lot of the benefit of the meditation comes from, of course, slowing down the mind, but also bringing awareness to the, the rest of your day. Right. Like not just during the meditation portion. Um, so I did a whole pod a while ago on my experience with the Sam Harris app and curious what, how long you've been doing it and what your experience has been with it so far. It's been about a year and a quarter. And what's the, what's the other one? Uh, the other main one headspace or yeah. Calm? Yeah. I switched over from headspace to waking up and I mean, I dig it. It's so simple the way he points it out, but it just gets you to, or it gets me to be aware that like, um, that like the separation is an illusion. You know what I mean? And he, he says things like, you know, experience that thought and like ask yourself, is this thought happening to anyone? You know what I mean? Or like it, it, <laughs> just the way he says it, it's just so like deadpan simple. And it, it gets me into that state like where, you know, I can, I can watch my thoughts or I can actually hear sounds that type of thing. Definitely. Yeah. He, he does a great job of getting you to kind of drop back a few layers in, in consciousness from being in your thoughts to kind of watching them to being just in your, in your consciousness and just watching everything, not just your thoughts, but your, uh, your feelings in your body, your breathing. And it, it just helps you kind of reset into knowing that that is where you, that's where you truly are all the time. Um, and it's just a matter of kind of reminding yourself of that. And the, the more you do it, of course, the more you then can drop back into that space and other times in the day. And that's where, you know, so much of the benefit comes from. Um, how is your experience? Cause we talked about a lot about meditation, I think on the flight. And for me, that was the key turning point in my life probably six years ago when I got into to meditation and it's been so crucial to me that it's it's something I have my in my morning routine I don't have the the like point system that you have but I have in a similar way I have my my absolutes that have to happen every day and then 
I have my sometimes if if there's time if I'm feeling it. So the absolutes that I'll never skip are meditation, and that's that's core. That's like I basically d- never go a day without skipping it. Um, and then some sort of movement is is part of the morning, whether that's stretching, going for a walk, um, and then some of the things that are more of the the sometimes are journaling. It's probably fifty percent to seventy five percent of the time. Um, cold shower is that's almost a hundred percent of the time, but uh, that one, depending on the situation, cold shower or going straight into the ice bath. Um, sauna as well. Um, morning, morning run. These all are kind of sometimes, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it, how it shakes out for me. Um, but what you spoke about how it can just turn into kind of a checklist. That is, that's something where for me, it helps to kind of change up, make, make changes from time to time, change the type of meditation I'm doing. If I'm using guided or an app, switching it up or, um, it often leads to, um, you know, if the mornings aren't super dialed, it often means I'm not there. There's something I need to look at from the evening before it's maybe, maybe my meditation is not going as deep because my sleep wasn't on point. And why wasn't my sleep on point? Maybe that was related to the, the food I ate or the timing of the food, um, or stress levels, things like that. So, that's actually where I've been focused way more for the past couple of years has been lining up evenings to set up a better morning. Cause, and I find that way more challenging for me because you're going out in the morning, you're fresh. You haven't been bombarded with a whole bunch of things. You haven't had a million thoughts or decisions on your mind. Um, and so starting to work on that evening has, has bought, brought great benefit to me. And uh, it's funny, we were both on the plane. Uh, I saw you were wearing the aura ring. And I, uh, I have recently, recently got one. And I don't wear it during the day, but I wear it every night for sleep. And it does that. It has that benefit of kind of gamifying sleep. So now like, I want to win that game. <laughs> trying to put up numbers. <laughs> totally. you know? It's really hard to get above 80 in the aura ring app. Yeah, it is. Um, but it's... But when you get it and you see like a 95 readiness score, you're like, let's go, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and, uh, and so that, that's been a big lead domino for me. I'm always looking for lead dominoes that kind of help everything else get in line. So just tracking it with the aura ring all of a sudden now I'm like, okay, I know, I know what happens if I, if I eat it, eat like right before bed, I'm going to see a terrible aura ring score and I'm going to wake up. My meditation is generally not going to be as as strong. My mental acuity the next day is not going to be as strong. And having a tracking system in place just helps you pay more attention. So that's um that's something I recommend to people looking into something like an aura ring because um, sleep's probably the biggest lead domino I I can think of. So true, and I think just like you said, just seeing it even once. Like, then you can't rationalize it away. It's like, oh, yeah, I, these behaviors happened, and it hurt my sleep. Like, no doubt about it. And then it's just like, I don't know. It, it just helps me change my behaviors, like, for uh, in the future. Definitely, yeah. 
I would say around the holidays, because I'll go in and out of um, of drinking alcohol. I'll go, I'll have months where I'm really not drinking. And then months where, you know, there's some great occasions going on. I got friends and family in town for ACL. I got, you know, business outings for South by Southwest, celebrations for weddings. Like, I'm, I'm all about celebrating and, uh, you know, living, living life to the fullest and all that. But with the aura ring, I can really just see like my, my deep sleep and REM when after drinking is, is horrible compared to, for instance, the past month where, where I haven't been drinking. It's like, I'm putting, I'm putting up 85s to 95s. I'm getting like the full deep sleep bar, the full REM bar. I'm having these like wild, fantastical dreams. I'm waking up and like crushing a meditation in the sauna. And I'm like, you get that reverse momentum where it's easy to get that momentum into kind of like drinking and having fun and um, things like that. And now I'm getting that reverse momentum where I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize these mornings. I don't do anything to jeopardize that sleep score. Like I'm going to keep this, this streak going, you know, it's amazing. I totally agree with the environment because it, it really shows me that this is not, my willpower that's making this happen. Like my willpower lasts like maybe a day or two in a shitty environment. Um, and so like, you know, I go home and I'm staying at my grandparents and everywhere I go, there's just pizza, candy cake. You know what I mean? It's like ridiculous. And then it's just like, where is he down? You know what I mean? You, I end up <laughs> eating shitty food and then I don't put the wheels back on until I get back into my health bubble. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I just think like taking the time to set your own environment is the most important thing that you could do or else you're fight, you're fighting a probably losing battle. Yeah, de- definitely. It's fun. To, uh, it's, it's fun when you geek out over kind of like optimizing. I mean, I'm, I'm like a, a complete weirdo when it comes to optimizing like every little thing in my life, but when it's great because it, there's so much compound interest in putting that work in and just building. So, it's like you do make one move to optimize your sleep environment. You know, you put up blackout curtains like that. All of a sudden you've stepped your game up a little bit. Then maybe you like the next thing I did, I got, I got a nest thermostat dialed that into the perfect temperature so that like, Ooh, I want to do that. Oh, it gets, it's so perfect. Like it drops, I go cold. It drops down to 63 in the middle of the night. Wow. Stays at 63 until I then align it with my wake up. So, then I wake up at 7.30, or not, not 7.30, like uh, s- between 6 and 6.30, I'm waking up and the house is baking. And it forced, it, like I don't even need an alarm because I'm just waking up to to the warmth and it makes me want to get out of bed versus like if it stayed cold, I'd be like, oh, I'm trying to stay under these covers. But so like, that's another thing. Blackout curtains helps. Then it's like I added that. Then it's like, oh, let's keep on adding things. Let's add let's let's put a little blackout tape over every little light in this room let's let's try earplugs let's try eye mask um and that's just your sleep environment right so i i went kind of crazy with that maybe a year and a half ago and it helped a ton but then you're still like you're still like you know what there's there's more to do and you're listening to podcasts with you know people people like peter atia and Kyle Kingsbury and these guys who are, you know, they're traveling the path too, but they're, they're a little older than us. So they're, they're five, 10 years further down the path. So you hear them talking about it and 
you start getting, you know, more, more tricks and knowledge into the ways to improve your, your behavior, the things like eating, reducing blue light, various things like that. Um, and it didn't really click for me until I got the aura ring, um, of how powerful that really is. Because for example, like, you know, Ben Greenfield. So he, he is always talking about the aura ring and he talks about, he loves taking CBD to go to sleep and CBD. Uh, he talks a lot about how it helps with your deep sleep cycles and I've experienced that. So I've, you know, tried CBD before sleep and deep sleep's fantastic. They're the numbers, the numbers are like off the charts in the aura ring. Um, and then similarly, he's like, yeah, you can, if you consume THC right before bed, it'll help you go to sleep fast, but your REM sleep will go down and REM super important too. And so it's like, it's just funny because each of these things, when you actually try them and then you wake up and you look at, you look at the data in the ordering app, like it's real, it's all real. And that's when it kind of becomes this fun video game where you're like, yo, I, I actually do have control over this. And, uh, so the, the biggest change for me has been the past, this past month of, of no drinking coming after the, the holidays is like the, I don't need, I haven't needed a single supplement to fall asleep. I haven't needed a single supplement to like enhance deep sleep, anything like that. And my scores are phenomenal. And then the next day, same thing. It's like when the sleep is phenomenal, it's like, I don't actually need any supplements to help me get through the day. I don't need, I'm not relying on caffeine. Um, whereas like I would say the month previous, like around the holidays, it's like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to have fun celebrating with people. And then during the day, I'm still, I'm still, you know, getting things done, making things happen, but you know, I'm looking for different nootropics to boost me up. I'm drinking more caffeine. I'm, my brain's just not as smooth as it's been the past few weeks. I'm just like, my brain is working. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's the thing I, I'll probably might never stop mentioning on this podcast. Cause I don't think people can hear it enough. Um, the importance of, of sleep and kind of that it's more than just getting your ass in bed at a specific time. It's like, there's a lot more to it. Right. Mm-hmm. I love where you're saying that like all the, all the things that you've tried over the years have kind of like brought you to the conclusion that like you literally just have to avoid poisoning yourself to be healthy, like poisoning yourself with like blue light right before bed or, you know, toxic foods or like alcohol or, um, too much stress or, you know, not moving enough. And, you know, if, if we just can not poison ourselves, <laughs> then we feel pretty damn good. Yeah, definitely. And it's, I mean, I, I'm always kind of going in different, going in different waves. It's like, it is often wonderful to get on like a wave of being just like super optimized and dialed in all that respect. Um, but then I do like going on a wave, like I said, of, of like, celebrating and doing, you know, engaging in a lot more, um, you know, activity and and various things that there are going to be sacrifices that are made when that happens. That's just, that's just part of the deal. But 
you know, having these practices, having the morning routine kind of always brings you back to, to some level of reset. And then having the experience of when you need to do like a big reset or you want to kind of completely get super dialed going into a new year or a new, new project or whatever, whatever it might be. Once you've been through that process a few times, it's, it's great. It's like, it takes so much stress away and it, you just have a blueprint of like what to do. So for me, it's like, okay, it's really simple. Often it's like, okay, let's just cut out all drinking, dial in sleep and get really clear on like what our goals and vision and like purpose is right now. And then the hard part is just for me is like breaking a pattern, but I've done it so many times that I know how that game works and it usually just takes breaking it for one day. Yeah. One day program. Yeah. The one day, all you got to do is if you're having trouble with like whatever, like one specific thing that you're like, Oh, if I just stop doing this, if I stop eating this thing, if I stop drinking that one or two glasses of wine at night, um, that would be a really good move. But the momentum of your life, it's so like ingrained in habit that it feels hard. Um, all you gotta do is force yourself to break it once and then repeat. And like, it'll be first time will be the hardest. Second time is, is significantly easier. By the time I get to like day seven, I'm legit a new person who could never imagine being that wanting to do that, that thing I was doing seven days ago. And, and then, then I'm off and running like, and I could be off and running for months. You know, the one thing that helps me, uh, with breaking habits too, is, to ask for the willingness in the days leading up to it. Like I don't set a date that I'm going to stop, you know, that habit, but I'll literally just ask for the willingness to stop that habit until I feel the willingness. And I swear it works. All of a sudden I'll feel willing. Whereas, you know, days ago or weeks ago, I didn't definitely. Yeah. And, um, James clears book, atomic habits, um, just there's a lot of great stuff in there. Um, but one key takeaway, I remember I, I shared that book with, with my friend Lefko and he, his main takeaway he came back to me with was just set the bar low. Like the key is set, set yeah. the bar low so that you win. And then you want to keep doing that habit and then it just builds. So if the goal, let's say, let's say the goal, is, let's say you're like me, you went through the same exact thing where like end of the year, cause this happens for so many people I know, um, towards the end of the year. The holidays come around. This is like, this happens for like everybody. The holidays come around. You start having the, like trying to wrap up things for work. There's food and alcohol and events and family gatherings and whatever, whatever like health and wellness practices you've built up, just start to slowly slide and they slide all the way until the new year happens. And then the new year happens and you're like, damn, I need to get back on track. And if you set a big goal that's like, all right, I need to stop drinking for a month, that might be, that might just be hard for your brain to like wrap around versus like, you know what? I need to take one night off. Yeah. And so real. Yeah. One, one day set a low. Anyone could do anything for one day. Yeah. Set a low bar one day. See what happens. Cut out sugar for a day. See what happens. And so that's been super helpful for me for sure. Um, so there was something um, you mentioned on the plane and, and you mentioned again in your morning routine that I, w- I want to hear some more about, which is your, your morning movement practice, the, the foundations. Oh, yeah. Cause like I've, 
I am, you see me right now, I'm slouching in this chair. Like I feel like ever since high school, I started sitting like this. And so if I'm sitting, I got that forward, you know, forward neck posture. And I am constantly trying to recorrect that, but I don't have a, a great like daily practice that feels easy um, or feels like manageable to work into the morning routine. So wanted to hear more about your experience with that. Awesome. Yeah. I love talking about this. So I have done different movement routines, uh, in the morning throughout the last like five, six, seven years. And I would just, you know, find someone that I respect on YouTube and do the, do their movement routine and just kind of like watch their YouTube video, write down what it is and then just do it and do it and do it until I can memorize it. Um, and then when I had this back injury, I had a, a ruptured disc and it was like the, the disc juice was like all on the nerve column. So I was getting all this sciatic pain and it was really awful. So, um, let's see it like I had to be like pretty much laying down most of the time it took away, but you know, most of like the active things in my life. Um, and so one of the things I, I guess I'll talk about like all the things that helped it. Um, one was getting PRP injections, uh, platelet rich plasma injections, and, you know, the conventional medical system, like, was pushing me towards getting surgery. You could just feel it. Um, and so I, I wrote down all the things I'd be willing to do before getting surgery and pretty much just went down that list. Um, PRP was one of them. I got three rounds of injections over the course of four months. And each time, probably a couple weeks after the injection, I felt like 10% better, which was incredibly relieving you know what i mean it was that was huge so i totally recommend that uh, or at least checking it out uh and then also it was this movement routine and so it's called foundations dr eric goodman on youtube it's like a nine minute routine and it is pretty damn simple like if you were to imagine like you know that sippy duck that goes down for water you're basically doing that and just trying to resist your um, your back from arching. And so it's a, it's a complete posterior chain, um, exercise. And you're basically holding these positions for 20 seconds, trying to resist your back from rounding and you're holding it with your glutes and your hamstrings. Um, and you do like a wide stance, you do a close stance, you do kind of like a split stance. And I swear to God, like you feel so tight in your low back, like tight in a good way, like tight, like, uh, like strong, um, afterwards. And so I knew I could feel it the first time that that was beneficial. Um, and so I just did it like every single day for like months and months and months and months. And I, I totally attribute that to being at least 20% of my recovery. And then when I got to the point of being almost pain-free, I got an MRI, saw that my back was still, was, was healthy. Um, there was no more ruptured disc, but I was still feeling pain. I swear to God, like every time I would sit down to sit down on a hard surface, I was expecting pain and I would feel pain. And I read this book called Healing Back Pain by John Sarno. Dude, like it, he literally just breaks down the mind-body connection. <laughs> Sarno, dude. Sarno. And I, don't, oh I didn't want to believe it at first. But and it, it, it's not as simple as saying like, oh, it's all in your mind. But it's literally your mind creating tension to avoid to prevent you from dealing with emotional things that are happening and, and, and doing some emotional hygiene. And so just by creating some affirmation that there is nothing s structurally wrong with my back and there is no pain and this tension is literally being created for me to not 
uh, to distract me from maybe some anger that I'm feeling, um, that opened it up like huge change. And that, that took me the last little bit of the way. That's amazing, dude. You, you've had a Sarno experience. <laughs> you have to do. You have no idea. I'm so stoked. You, you had no a massive idea. reaction Any, for that. Anybody, anybody who's like, who like all the closest people in, in my life for the past few years have, have like heard at least three or four Sarno rants because once you, once you find out, right? Like that this is, this is how the body and the mind work. Like you want to help other people. It's like, yo, yo, don't get that surgery, dude. Like, bro, save yourself that surgery. You like, you don't need it. Um, basically like the major, what I learned in my experience, um, which came specifically through plantar fasciitis for me was that most chronic pain is not an injury. And it takes the tough part about it is the only way most people are going to come to actually like accepting what Sarno talks about. You kind of have to try everything else first. And, yep. the, and so just like your path, like you're trying PRP, you're getting recommended surgery, you probably spent a bunch of money and like thought you tried everything. Right. And then somehow, somehow the universe connects you with Sarno's book and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. There's literally <laughs> one page where he just breaks it down and you're just like, what? <laughs> key lock. Oh, key lock. Let's go. So for me, I had uh, this this case of plantar fasciitis a few years ago and it, it, uh, it coincided with me. It coincided with me going full time with my business and things were wonderful, but there was some unresolved like... Um, unresolved things in the business, a, a legal situation that was pending. And I just, I got this plantar fasciitis out of nowhere. Um, and for like a year and a half, I was trying to get rid of it. And I saw, I saw the world-class foot doctors. I was going to the LA Clippers foot doctor in LA, spending thousands of dollars with him. I was got, you know, orthotics doing these like electroshock therapies that are supposed to be like a guarantee. And nothing worked. I'm going, so I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll try every, every like alternative medicine out there. I'm going to acupuncture. I'm buying every little gadget that Amazon sells for plantar fasciitis. Mm. I'm, I'm talking to everybody who's ever had plantar fasciitis and I'm doing everything and it's not, it's not getting better. And then I'm, I'm just cruising Amazon one day, amazon.com. And I've heard of it. Yeah, dude. Cruising the on and <laughs> it's like, Hey, you should check out this book called healing back pain by Dr. John E. Sarno. Amazon and suggested it. Yeah. Dope. And so I click on it. I bought the audio book and I start going for a walk outside and like 10 minutes in, I'm like key lock. Yes. Really? Yeah. And you yeah, knew yeah. it to be true. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like you, once I love the audio book too, cause this one he reads. So you feel like you're just like in his lecture and Oh yeah. 10 minutes, 10 minutes in. I'm like, Oh, key lock game on. Like, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank, thank you. And, um, and then the, it was another, it's a, it was probably like a two month process of kind of like working with the information yeah. in there. But I think about two weeks later after like a year and a half of, living like I was disabled, meaning like I could only walk. I I love playing. I love shooting hoops. I love running road races, all these things. Couldn't do any of them. I couldn't live my life without pain. 
two weeks later, I ran a 5K. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm shooting. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm, w- I'm waking up shooting hoops on the Venice courts, which was like all I wanted to be able to do. I, like, I, I lived like 10 feet from them. And ever since then, you know, my whole understanding of how pain works and how the mind-body connection works um, has just completely been changed. And there's a lot of people, um, everybody who's, there's a lot of people who swear by Sarno um, out there, but to, like, you can't really just tell somebody about it because they won't, most people will not embrace it until they've tried everything else. So true, you have to hit, like, kind of a bottom and admit that you you don't know what to do. Yep. And, And so now I'm, it was one of the biggest blessings to come out of that um, that whole period of my life that I thought during the time I was like, well, you know, this sucks. But the biggest blessing is like, I figured that out, you know, around age thirty. Like most people go their whole lives without learning Deal this. Deal with that shit. Yeah. yeah, you get all these surgeries you don't need. You're dealing with all these this pain that you you think is from some injury. And and a lot of what the book talks about is. If you go look, if you have a symptom and then you go looking for a root cause, you'll find one. Like there will be a doctor that finds one and can diagnose it as some physical thing that needs some surgery. But what Sarno explains is that often that's the conventional medicine kind of way of dealing with it. And what happens is you get that surgery and maybe the pain goes away temporarily. Um, Maybe it doesn't, but maybe it goes away but then it comes back and that is uh that that is something that for me I'm just I I feel so blessed to have learned it and want to have wanted to to share that with people for a long time so it's amazing to to hear that you've had a similar experience man totally and uh I am super grateful for Steve Kerr speaking up about it cuz he has had uh these back surgeries and it has been terrible for him so he's uh definitely a big advocate for doing everything you can to avoid surgery. And he's pointed out that, you know, the long-term success rates, long-term pain-free rates are literally identical whether you get the surgery or not. That's amazing. I, so ever since I learned this stuff, I watch sports through a whole new lens. So I I watch injuries through a whole new lens because there are acute injuries, right? There are real injuries. You break, Mm -hmm. you break a leg. That's not mind body connection. Like you broke your leg. Um, but like soreness in your knee, like back pain, like these things, they, they could, it could be a real injury for sure, but it also could just be mind body connection related stuff. And it was funny when all that Kerr stuff was happening, I didn't know what you just said about Steve Kerr and that he's come out about this, but the whole time I was like, damn Kerr, I wish you knew dude. Mm. Cause that surgery like wrecked your life for a few years. And I, I felt so bad for him because pain is like doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter how much money you have um how perfect your life is like pain is pain and the the world the whole world is going to push you towards surgeries and things like that and this is like this when when you really kind of like wrap your head around this element which is it's not the whole story, right? It's part of the story. That's what I've learned since is like, it's not like, Oh yeah, stop, stop taking care of your body and just like, you know, deal with mind body stuff. It's like, no, still, still do those things. Like, um, but now, like I said, I watch sports through a new lens. Like when I see this, this is off, off topic, but I just got to go, go on it. Uh, get it. So people like 
when I see dudes like Kyrie with like out for weeks with a sore knee and he like and like injuries where you can't really find a cause, like I, in my head, I don't know if I'm right, but in my head, I'm like, that is so clearly mind body connection stuff. Like mm. anytime you see an athlete who's unhappy and they have an injury oh, that's wow. just lingering, like it's not that it's not that they're not feeling pain. It's not that they truly can't play. Like I couldn't play when I had plantar fasciitis and I thought I was injured, but I wasn't injured. I just needed to do the work to, to release, release the pain and like get to the root of the, the kind of mind body connection. Like what, what underlying stress or emotion is, is tied to that. And so now I see it everywhere. Like it's rampant. It's like we are, you and I are the the minority um, and like Steve Kerr. And I actually heard an amazing interview with uh, Howard Stern. Like Howard Stern um, had John E. Sarno on the Stern show several years back. It's a great interview. And he the, he's just like groveling at his feet explaining how Sarno saved his life. Like he wow. couldn't move for years. Wow. And Sarno saved his life. And yeah, at the time, Sarno died like right after I got like had like cured my my plantar fasciitis, and he died in his nineties. And they they put out a documentary about him around that time that I haven't watched yet, but I do just uh, like it's one of my missions to kind of spread this uh, this knowledge to people because it's mm. it's so important, you know. I mean, I just totally agree, and uh, I feel like it, yeah, we should we should qualify that like yeah, maybe at the beginning of my back injury, I feel like if I had read Sarno, it wouldn't have done the job because I was actually injured. But I feel like if you've tried everything and it's still not working, it's totally worth exploring. De- definitely. Yeah. And, and same for me, it's like, since I had that experience with plantar fasciitis, but you know, I still have all sorts of, um, you know, aches and pains or stiffness, things like that, that, you know, I've since then kind of run through that, that lens of mind body connection and it's not everything it's like these things like use alignment is so important like releasing tension in your muscles is like so important like i'm still all about you know foam rolling and and all those things and like have been um the same way i kind of went all in on on that sarno concept for a while it's like i've really been diving into um a lot of like have you heard Goggins talk about how him working on his alignment and releasing his muscles oh, yeah. was basically the, the thing that solved all his health problems? Yeah. Just stretching for hours. Exactly. So I think there are, um, there's more to it and there's like each path you travel can, can really, uh, really help. But, um, super interesting, man. Glad, glad you shared that. So I think we're, uh, we're coming up on our time here, man. Um, damn we burned up an hour yeah just about player so uh yeah last thing i just love to get your take on um love to hear what like what are you most excited about whether it's in uh in either of the businesses perfect keto or equip um or like you're you're super on the the cutting edge when it comes to kind of the where the evolution of um 
of nutrition and uh what was the conference you just went to and or you're going to in Santa oh, Monica? metabolic health summit yeah this guy goes to conferences like metabolic health <laughs> summit so like, he's deep in that game he's got a glucose monitor like plugged into <laughs> his arm tests every every food that's coming through he can see if it spikes his glucose like he's like he's like level 10 jedi so um would love to hear what yeah what you're most excited about in that world whether it's in your business or otherwise Totally. Um, I'd say overall in health, this glucose monitor is the thing that I'm most excited about as far as a wearable. And so it literally just sticks into your skin. It's totally pain-free and it monitors your blood sugar 24 hours a day. And so if I eat a sweet potato, I can see exactly what happens over the next hour. If I do a workout, I can see what happens during that time and see how like my blood sugar is affected over the remainder of the day. Like, is it lower than if I, you know, would have skipped that workout type of thing. And I think this is really important because, uh, seeing a blood sugar spike is a proxy for insulin secretion and insulin secretion is, um, probably one of the, the root hormonal dysfunctions that causes the obesity epidemic. And so I feel like, um, you know, the problem with, amazing food is it's hyper palatable and there's a very slow feedback loop so when i eat something awful <laughs> you know what i mean when it's the holidays i you know crush something i really didn't mean to um at first my mouth feels really good and then i get a sugar rush and then yeah maybe i feel like kind of lousy um but not not too lousy but then like maybe three days later is when i'm feeling like the gut issues and like i can feel my skin kind of feel weird and like a little like you know, I get pimples and stuff like that. Like the feedback mechanism is slow. And when you're consuming food, especially fats, that fat is incorporated into the phospholipid bilayer of your cells. That's literally like, if you think of your cells as a beach ball, um, the fats are what make up the outer layer. And so you want that outer layer to be outstanding and pristine, you know, because that's what's regulating what's coming in and out of the cell. And so if I'm like, you know, giving myself just like these mutilated building blocks, I'm going to have, I'm going to feel terrible on a cell, cellular level. So uh, I got a little bit off there, but I, I think the, the feedback me mechanism is what's really important. So if I, you know, eat that piece of cake and my glucose monitor starts, you know, beeping at me and then maybe there's some sort of like reward punishment involved in it, then I think that can really change people's health because right now, we can only really change people's behavior who are extremely willing to change their behavior right now. And we can't really do anything with people that just don't give a shit. Um, and I think it's a, a tremendous burden on like our economy and just, uh, it, I mean, it has incredible, you know, nth degree effects and stuff like that. But I just think this wearable is really exciting and we can possibly see like on nutrition labels, um, you know, rather than just the stats about what's in the food, we can see what the glucose response is for, you know, a thousand people or, or an average cross section. So that's what I'm most excited about in health. What I'm most excited about for perfect keto is that, you know, we're at the three year mark and we talked about this on the plane, how like when you're starting, it just feels like you're going through the playoffs first and then it's extremely difficult, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you get to this point where it's like becomes the regular season. And we're just sprinting, sprinting, sprinting. I know you're well aware of this, but and then it just and then it feels like, oh yeah, it's a marathon. Um, should probably pace. Um, but now like we're at that point where it's like, okay, we're starting the regular season and you know, we're gonna try to start getting into retail and like have promising uh, potential there and stuff like that, but it's not easy and it's a really slow process. But the whole goal is to just make 
um, healthier options more accessible to people. Like right now when I walk through an airport, there's trash. Like I can get maybe beef jerky that probably has sugar in it, or maybe I can get some macadamia nuts. But like it's really important to us to have our bars and our trail mix and our nut butters like everywhere. You know what I mean? Um, Because people are reaching for bars that they think are healthy, but they're filled with sugar and vegetable oil or, you know, net carbs that still, you know, do end up getting digested and do spike your blood sugar. So they can be advertised as low carb, but they're still still messing you up metabolically. Um, so I'm just really excited for, you know, becoming more accessible. Badass dude. Jedi, Jedi stuff. Um, thanks dude. Thanks well, for asking the questions, man. Uh, it's, it's great to be able to like talk about these things, you know, cause rarely do you get asked these things in, in normal life. Oh, you got it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely run this back a few times, man. There's, there's plenty more to talk about, but, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure, dude. Great great to connect with somebody else on the path here and uh hopefully people listening are able to glean some helpful intel out of there but uh i think we're gonna go do another round of uh getting a few buckets outside the man says he's not a hooper but his his, his jump shots <laughs> his jump shot's solid stroke the first one no sweat um yeah we'll Down see from there see if he uh can dial it into the next level but uh thanks for li- listening y'all be well Take care. Much love. We out. Peace.